You know, as I've been traveling and talking to people and talking to ministers and different ones, you know, everybody is concerned about the future. Any of you concerned about the future? Well, it's going to be exactly what the Word of God says it is. We are in the last days. But there's no use for we that are God's children to be in fear. Because... I just want to talk about a glimpse at the future that God has planned for us for a minute. I'm, I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about here. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me When you seek me with all your heart. Now here is the prophet Jeremiah. Talking to the children of Israel. And uh, they're in captivity. Uh, Everything is going wrong. Now the reason they're in captivity is because they let the. they, They turned away from God and started to idol worship. And all kinds of things. And after many warnings and long patience God finally said, okay, and he lifted his hand of protection and they were taken into captivity. But now in captivity, the prophet says to them, hey, God's not mad at you. Um, He's not going to wipe you off the face of the earth. Your future is bright. Your future, God says, he plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You know, tonight, uh, all around, we listen to people. We hear news stuff and half of it, I, I've got any more where I don't because I, uh, if, you, if you listen long enough and if you happen to be, just, just listen, it's the same thing. You go to another one and they, they got something else, somebody else on with a different idea and you go to another channel and news channel and they got somebody else over there with a different idea and uh, nobody can figure out what's going to happen and what the future holds and actually what's going to happen is exactly what the Bible said and you see it happening you see but we as children of God do not need to get in a frenzy over this or, or be concerned about it. in fact you got sometimes on Christian television you got some of these people that are wanting you to buy food and hoard it up so you can uh, go through I don't know what you're going through because uh, if I understand the word of God we that are children that, that are the children of God are not going to be here anyway Amen. hello but if the Lord tears his coming, what, uh, where will we be a year from now? What will we be doing? What will be happening? You know, and if you look at the landscape of the church world, man, the future doesn't look very good. 
because, and, and I can't give you an answer to all those questions. I can tell you what the Word of God says about the future. But if you look at the church world today, you begin to see that, and I'm not talking about denominations that, that didn't, that don't go with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about denominations that are, are go with the Holy Spirit. Churches that are, call themselves Spirit-filled churches. They are no longer allowing the Holy Spirit to move in their meetings. In fact, I went to the number one church of a leading denomination. And they, anymore on Sunday, they're not even giving altar calls. They're saying, now we have people standing here at the front. And if you would like to talk about changing your lifestyle, you can come and talk to them. And they say, well, you don't want to embarrass somebody by asking them to come forward. Well, I, I, I told one guy, I said, I read in the Word of God where it says, if you, if you are afraid uh, to confess me before me, and I'll be, I won't confess you before the Father. Anybody ever read that in there? And then they said, now anybody here that's interested in a deeper relationship with God... On Tuesday night at 7 o'clock back here in this uh, building behind the main auditorium, we have a service uh, that you might want to attend to get a deeper relationship with God. And that's where they talk about the Holy Spirit. You know, the church world that we're looking at today is fastly losing. Now, I'm not talking about crazy stuff. You know, I, I've been there. Hey, I've been in this all my life, people. I've been here since 1939, September the 3rd, 1939. My dad was a, a pastor, and I was, as Sunday morning, go re, go look it up. Go on the Internet look it up. Sunday morning, September the 3rd, 1939. And it was the day that England declared war on Germany in World War II. But anyway, I... Of course, I don't remember that. I was told that. I went, I, but I did go look that up on the internet. But I, I start remembering. Then in the in you know forty three, forty four, I start remembering. And man, boy, the churches, everybody was full because of, of calamity. And every time there's a calamity, this this nation will run back to God. If you'll remember when the Twin Towers went down in New York, the most liberal of liberals and the conservative of the conservative, they linked arms and stood on the Capitol steps and sang God bless America. But the church, I have seen this happen through my lifetime. I have watched the church have a a revival period and then go down and have a revival, go down. I've seen it happen. Charismatic renewal. I was right in the middle of all that. I've seen all of this happen. In the mid nineties though, I began to see something and, uh, I'm just going to talk to you out of my heart tonight. I'm not going to try to preach you a message. I'm going to talk to you out of my heart. I want to try to, I want to, I want to show you something. And I, I believe it's, it's from the Lord. 
I began to see a turn away from the Holy Spirit. It says, Acts chapter 2, verse number 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. And people began to turn away. I went to preach at a church. They had a Saturday night service and two Sunday morning services and a Sunday night service. They said to me, they said, now, listen, on Saturday night and the two Sunday morning services, we do not give altar calls. We don't call people up to pray for the sick. We do tell them that if they would like to talk to somebody about their life, they can, their usher will help them go to a room where they can talk to people. And man, I, I, the, the, the anointing was there. I could have given all, but I didn't. I did what I said. I thought, well, in both Saturday night, both Sunday mornings, then Sunday night they said, now that's a wide open believers meeting. And man, it was deader than a hammer. I'm up here preaching and I might as well have had a tennis ball and throwing it against the back wall and catching it and throwing it back because that's, I mean, there was no ounce of anointing of the spirit. You see, you can't regulate the spirit of God moving. And I began to see even our, even Pentecostals, I'm talking about, and I could call the denominations names, many of the Pentecostal denominations that are getting away from the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the power of the Godhead. And when you ignore the Holy Spirit, you throw the power of God out the door. And you come back to what the Apostle Paul said, having a form of God in us, but denying the power thereof. Now, I don't know how it is up here. I haven't been to Boise, Idaho since 1980, I think. I don't know how y'all are, but I travel over the country. I see more and more and more of people not going with the power of God. In fact, going against the power of God. In fact... At our Oklahoma City campus, I had a man came to me, and he said, and he was a, he had he he had been a Christian, and he he said I knew how to pray, and but he said I I, I he had gone back digressed, and he said I needed I needed to walk the aisle, and to confess before you know the Lord again, and he said I went to this church. And they didn't give an altar call. I went to another church. And they didn't give an altar call. And I heard that you had this church here. And he said. He said. I knew you. And I knew you had given an altar call. And I did. Oh, In fact I gave one last night. I, I always. Very very seldom. You can ask this group of travelers. Very very seldom. Do I not. Give an altar call. Someone said, well, you're going to embarrass somebody. Let me tell you something. I'd rather embarrass somebody and get them to heaven than not embarrass them and let them go to hell. And you see, that you don't hear anybody preaching about that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun anymore. Now, I'm not talking about do's and don'ts. I'm talking about living right with the Word of God. Now, there's a bunch of nonsense and traditions, but I just want to... 
And so I begin to watch the Holy Spirit be weaned out of the churches. And people are preaching a feel-good sermon. A motivational speech, if you want to call it that. People walk in the door and walk out feeling good. But they haven't had a heart change. I don't know about you. I see some of these people, they make a confession. But if you watch them, they're still doing the same thing they always do. I don't know about you, but when I got, when I got born again, my life changed. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? I had a heart change. And so I began to, to do some study. And I haven't preached this very much, and I don't know that I can theologically. I went to Bible school. I've had systematic theology, one, two, three, and four. I've had bibliology and and, and all the ologies and all of that. And I can talk to you about hornetology and pneumatology and angelology and all of those things. <laughs> and I don't know whether I can <laughs> but <laughs> prove this theologically or not. But I began to, to do some study. And I began to study about the, the uh, emblems of the Holy Spirit. You know, the dove and so forth and so on. But what is, and then fire is the emblem of the Holy Spirit. What is another emblem of the Holy Spirit? Oil. Oil. You got it. Oil is another emblem of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I began to do some study. And as I've watched this happen now since the mid-90s, I mean... Back in the 80s and the charismatic renewal and all the people through full gospel business men getting the Holy Spirit and coming over. Any of you get the Holy Spirit during that time when the full gospel business men and, and I mean, I, there wasn't no churches to go to. And I traveled with my dad all over the country. I mean, these people were getting the Holy Spirit and their churches were rejecting them. Because, and so we were having crusades. I mean, we were having meetings. And he would be just teach on the Holy Spirit and all those sort of things. And, and uh, man, we have 5,000 people there coming because all these people get the Holy Spirit and they got nowhere to go. Then we had the churches, the, the mega churches, the, Pentecost, the, the charismatic churches arose. And all, it was easy back then. I mean, everybody, you, I mean, people get the Holy Spirit easy. See, if you go all the way back into... And, and to 43 and 44, you, uh, the, the Pentecostals lost Amy Simple McPherson, Smith Wigglesworth, and Charles Price. And that was the three leaders of the Pentecostal movement at that time. And the old people were saying, what are we going to do? And the young men like my dad and Oral Roberts and others, they began to pray and then in 47, out of the hills of Oklahoma, walked Oral Roberts and Dad and, and all of them. You got the healing revival that started in from 47 to 58 with healing revival. And I mean, you, everybody that was, there was many of them out there traveling. I don't know whether any of you old enough to ever been to any of those meetings or not in those tent meetings. I've been there. I knew, I knew them all. I mean, I'm, that, that was between my nine, being nine years old till I was 18. I mean, I, you know, my senior in high school. And so I, I knew all of those and I watched the power of God and I saw this thing and, and I, 
I saw dad tell some of them that in the voice of healing, you had everybody was in the voice of healing except oral because he had already started the healing waters. And so he, but he, they all fellowship together once a year. The all those guys in the voice of healing had a, 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 a meeting where they all come together. And I, my dad told him, he said, listen, guys, he said, you guys are operating with the gifts of the spirit right now, but you better learn to, to preach because this is just a way. And if you go all the way back, I can go all the way back into church history. I like history. And so I studied it. And I said, you'll see waves of God, moves of God, waves and moves of God. And uh, I, out of all those people, the only three that I know that continued their ministries was T.L., Oral, and Kenneth Hagin. And they all three wound up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, they were all friends. My wife will tell you that, that uh, you know, in fact, my first, my first trip overseas, I went overseas and... Uh, I went to I went to uh, Kenya in what seventy I guess it's seventy eight wasn't it and uh, and T L was holding meetings over there and I went to some because I, I knew I knew uh, his crusade director I went to Bible school with him and so and I was dead tired and I hit the ground preaching I mean man and when you go on those mission trips uh, they don't let any grass I mean. I'll do. I'll now. I'll fly from here to Bangkok, Thailand, and hit land at eleven at twelve o'clock noon, and be on the platform at seven that night. And you barely got time to get from the airport to the hotel room and get changed. But uh, he he said he he said to me. He said, "Son, because he knew me." He said, "Let me tell you something." He said. Now, it's not a waste of money to fly first class when you're coming over here because he said you hit the ground preaching and you got to be ready. He said, you're not ready. You're, you're dead tired right now. And, and, and then he said, and because he had heard that I'd had a, a meeting in Javelin Stadium down in, in Johannesburg and he had heard that I gave a call for healing and that that the that 5,000 people lined up on the soccer field and I prayed individually for what, four hours was it, hon? For those people. And he said, he said, son, he said, that's not, you can't last that way. I said, I know. I was so tired they had to almost carry me to the car. <laughs> he said, you have to do Healing in Mass. And he gave me his book called Healing in Mass. I don't know any of you ever read the Elijah's book, Healing in Mass, where you pray for him in Mass. I have watched all of these revivals and been there and, and and I have seen these things happen through the years, and I am really concerned about what, about what I'm seeing happening now. I was talking to one of the some of the ministers here the other day, and they said, "Man, you're the only one I know that has lived through all of those different things, and you're you're still here today." But and I and I've seen this happen, and in 2003, the Lord began to deal with me. About and I pre- and it's out there. I preached a, a winter Bible seminar, five sessions on God's greater glory. It's in a book. It's also in CD form. And God's greater glory will come in the last days, and it will be 
it will be, as the Lord talked to me, it will be a combination of all of the great moves of God all come into one. And it will be the last day revival. When that's going to happen, we're on the threshold of it right now. We're there because everything is right for it. Because we have lost, the churches have lost the power of God. They've done away with the Holy Spirit. Now I want to take you, if you will go, how many of you have heard the, there, <coughs> Matthew, the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins? And it's always equated to salvation. The bridegroom came. It's always equated to salvation. But now wait a minute. What was it that the five foolish virgins didn't have that caused them not to go with the bridegroom? Oil. And that's, that, is, that is supposed to be a representation of Christ coming, the bridegroom coming for the bride, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they have equated that <coughs> to people being saved. But now wait a minute. They went out, all of them went to, and they were prepared for the bridegroom and they took the oil. But five of them took oil and they kept replenishing it and kept going and kept going. The others let their oil go away. Now remember this. They came back. They came back and they knocked on the door. And they said, let us in. Lord, we, we were part of you. He said, depart from me, I don't know who you are. Now that has, that has to do with some of the other sayings and some of the other things that said in the word of God. It said that many will say, Lord, Lord, I did this in your name. He said, and he said, depart from me, I don't know who you are. We need to realize that we have to keep the anointing of the Holy Spirit alive. It's our responsibility. There is coming a day that things are going to begin to happen. And these people that have flocked to these churches where, and in these churches where they're denying the Holy Spirit, they're going to, they're going to begin to cry out. And we... Have got to be ready with the power of God. How many of you have got the Holy Spirit? How many of you ha have yourself be begin to see that the Holy Spirit has been waning? And from, I mean, if you go back, how many of you watch Christian television? It's good and bad. <laughs> I'm on, I'm on there, I'm on Daystar. I was on, I was on, I was on TBN for 20 something years and after Paul died, they wrote, they just called and said, you're no longer going to be on. And so, but if you notice, they took a bunch of us off, but I, I'm on Daystar for what I was paying for that 30 minute broadcast. I was able to go on another one on another day on Daystar and on three other networks for what I was paying for that one thirty minute on on TBN, but praise the Lord anyway. But what what I started to say is they got the good, bad and the ugly on there. <laughs> but I have noticed 
that those programs on some of the Christian stations that used to promote the power of God and so forth and so on, that's not there anymore. Some of the ministers that used to promote the power of God is not there anymore. I've noticed that some of those some of those uh, Christian television stations, uh, about all they do is uh, do telethons to get money. And if you've ever noticed, a lot of ministers, traveling ministers, got where they all they talk about is prosperity, prosperity, prosperity. In fact, I just got through doing a series in my at my church called Financial Fitness, and I dealt with a lot of this stuff. I probably get, hey, you know, uh, I'm old enough now that I'm the elder of most of all those guys anyway, in the charismatic world anyway, and uh, I'm, I've been, I've been, I'm older than that. I'm, I've been preaching long enough. See, it doesn't matter whether you're chronologically older or not. It's uh, a, a spiritual. I've been preaching long. I've been preaching 57 years. And I grew up in this thing. I've been there all the time. And I am really concerned, people. This, I'm just talking to you out of my heart tonight. I, I, I got some notes up here, but that was going a different direction. This way I feel like the Lord wanted me to go, so I'm just going. I don't have no note. I'm just talking as the Holy Spirit's giving me. But I'm really concerned, and I've been praying about this, that there it, we... we I see it in some of my own faith, my own rainbow churches. I see them going away. I talk to them about this. I see them going away from the anointing of the power of God. And I asked one guy one time, I said, what got you? What reached out and grabbed you? He said, well, it was the Holy Spirit and the moving of the power of God. Well, then why are so many of the churches, if it's the moving of the Holy Spirit, then why are we cutting it off? In fact, if I read what Paul says, he said that tongues was a sign to the unbeliever, not a deterrent. Isn't that what anybody ever read that in there? But we need to realize that if we're not careful... All of us, me included, we begin to let some of this stuff begin to get a hold of us. And gradually, it, it dulls our senses when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And somebody said, well, you, just got on, you don't got on suit and tie. You know. Hey, I told somebody one time... I said, hey, you can have all the lights. I said, I can, I can preach just as good like this as I can in a suit and tie. There, there's no anointing in a suit and tie. <laughs> the anointing is supposed to be in the person that's, that's, that's wearing it. <laughs> Hello? You know, if we... Our, the charismatic people, if we're not careful, we, we, you know, we used to call, talk about all the traditions because we got born again and filled with the spirit and come in and we talked about all the traditions of the churches. Now we, we charismatics have got as many traditions as they do. I told him, I said, I don't, they said, you know, you can ask, you can tell these kids here, I don't ever, I don't ever know what my stage is going to look like. 
Ben and JT and them guys, they, I told them, I said, oh, they said, well, one pastor said, well, don't you control what goes on? I said, I control the spirit of it. I said, I don't care whether it's got a board or a light or anything. I said, that ain't, that doesn't help me preach in the least. But I said, if a light or something on that stage causes somebody to come in the door to hear me preach and they get saved, well, hey, let's go, let's go with it. You see? Somebody said, well, I'll tell you what, your dad would do. I said, well, you don't know my dad. I said, I said, Go, you didn't know him back in the 70s. He, he wore the, you guys, how many remember he wore the leisure suits like everybody else was wearing back then? Huh? They were ugly suits. But didn't he really? Oh, well, you wasn't around. Oh, he did. He wore them. Yeah. And then, uh, when all of those different colored sort of suede sport coats come out. He wore all those. You know. Like he, he said, dress is not. I mean, now we need to be, have, decor, have a little decorum about us and a little modesty. But dress doesn't dictate the Holy Spirit. See, some of the denominations want you to dress a certain way. That's supposed to make you holy. Dress in a certain way never made anybody holy. You become holy because you learn how to live in line with the Word of God. It's not in line with somebody's idea. And, 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 and you know, they, I was fixing to say this. I, I, I was in, in Hawaii. Uh, Took a little vacation several years ago before it was ever popular not to wear ties. And I, did, I went out and I was walk, I went out walking this Sunday morning. And so I was walking down the beach and there was a guy preaching. So I stopped to listen at him. And he had a congregation there. And he had on one of those uh, vest deal, muscle shirt, I guess you call it, vest deal. And those uh, jammer, jam deals, you know, they come down about here. And I noticed all his congregation sitting out there is all in swimsuits. And he gave the altar call and seven of them came up there to pray to get saved. And they, they had on a bikini and, and swimsuits and, and they were getting saved. Hello. And some people, some I say, well, bless God, I don't believe, I don't believe anybody could get saved like that. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, if we're not careful, we let, we let tradition, we let things come in, and they gradually, and we begin to listen at some of this stuff. Well, now, you don't, you need to, you need to back off here a little bit, and you need to back off here a little bit, and you need to back off over here a little, and before you know it, you have allowed it to dull your senses when it comes to the things of God. And we need to realize that we've got to keep the Holy Spirit alive. And somebody said, well, look at all that's going on. We got ISIS, we got this, we got that. Listen, people, go read. 24th chapter of Matthew. Go study Daniel and Revelation and some in Ezekiel. Now you can't just, you got to put it all together. I had the privilege of sitting under one of, at that time when I was in Bible college, uh, he, in the denomination, uh, he was the number one 
prophecy teacher, Brother William Burton McCafferty. And, uh, and he said, you can't just take Revelation. You've got to get Daniel in there. And then you've got to get some of Ezekiel. And you've got to put it all together. We have been in the area. And see, now you've got this grace business coming around. I don't know whether y'all got it up here or not. But you, it's, it, you can do just about anything and still be saved. Y'all heard about that up here? Yeah. See, that's once again, the enemy is coming in, trying to get in the church to stop us from having the real anointing of the power of God because he knows his time is short. All you got to do is go look at what's happening in the Middle East. Iraq and Iran is nothing more than old Babylon. And Syria has been there since the beginning, and they've been a thorn in the sight of God since the beginning. Go read it. Go read the Old Testament. And then you got you got Rome sitting there. And you go read in, in the Revelation, and you can see all of these major players that are there. You got the big bear from the north, which is Russia. Okay, who who is playing footsies with Iraq and Iran right now? Russia. Hello. I mean, it's in the Bible. And they talk, you know, some people were talking, meeting with the Pope and talking about having, uh, you know, uh, we come together in, in unity. It can't be. It can't be. I, I personally can't come in unity with him. If he says he's infallible. Because our God is infallible. Hello. Come on. Now. You know. They play a major role. You'll read the 17th chapter of, of Revelation. The lady sitting on the seven hills with the blood of the martyrs on her hands. Who you think it is? If it's not the Roman church. Come on, guys. Hey, y'all looking at me funny. But somebody's got to start telling people that we're in the last days. I'm talking about this is the last days. I'm talking about what is happening in the world today. And if we're not careful, we'll be, people will begin to run scared and begin to say, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen is exactly what the Word of God said is going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know whether it's going to be at the beginning or in the middle. It's sure not going to be at the bar, but I can argue either way with you on that, on, on whether the rapture or, and see, we call it the rapture. It's the catching away of the saints is really, and, and it's not the second coming because at the second coming is when Jesus comes back to the earth and sets up the millennial reign. But I'm going to tell you what. Uh, before all of the real bad stuff starts happening, you're going to hear the trumpet sound. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first, and we that are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds of glory. That's where this thing is headed. That's where we're headed. We're living in the last days. And and, and, and I, I want to throw something else at y'all. Now I'm not, I'm not, I can't, I can't prove any of what I'm fixing to say now, but 
It's interesting thinking. Now, I used to wonder how in the world that we were going to see, the world was going to see the two prophets and all that. It's very easy today, isn't it? With the satellites and the TV and so forth and so on. But let me throw something else at you. It says in Revelation that the whole earth took the Mars, uh, the, everybody, not the whole earth, but the, the whole world took the mark of the beast. If they didn't, they were beheaded, right? In the very next chapter, there is live people alive on the earth. Go read it. Anybody ever read it? Huh? Is that not correct? Wait a minute. If the whole world took the mark, that was beheaded if they didn't take the mark of the beast, where'd they come from? Now, I don't know. I, I, th- this is, but I wonder. Now, this is, I'm just wondering. When John was writing, what world did he know? What world did he know? He knew that Babylonian and Roman world. Now, you know, you can't prove any of that, but it, it, it stands to reason, though, see. But, hey, forget all of that. I just throw that out to get some of you thinking. We have got to keep the oil of the Holy Spirit alive. We have got to keep the power of God alive in this day and age. Because this thing is winding up quickly. People are afraid. And our country's in a mess. I I grant you that. We're in a mess. And people are afraid of this and afraid of that. I'm just, you know, I, uh, I told my church the other day. I said, I will stand with what the Word of God says. I'm not against any person. I may be against their lifestyle, but I'm not against them as a person. And they said, well, what are you going to do if you're for? I said, I'm not going to. I am not going to join a woman and a woman and a man and a man. The word of God said he made male and female and told them to replenish the earth. Male and male and female and female cannot replenish the earth. I mean, it's pretty simple when you get right down to it. Either you believe the word of God or you don't. Either you stand for the word of God or you don't. And I wonder how many Christians in America could do what those have done there in Iran and Iraq. It's something to think about. Are you strong enough? Do you believe God enough? Are you strong enough? Come on now. Y'all looking at me funny, but hey, what would you do if you're in their place? You know, we have to realize that we either believe God and we believe what we've been singing, we believe what we've been preaching, or we don't. 
It's easy to say how much you believe God and what you would do when everything is going good. When it's not, what are you going to do? I mean, I'm just throwing some things out. But we're in the last days. And we see it. We got the form of godliness, but no power. We got everything happening in the Middle East, exactly what the Word of God said it was going to do. You know, some people say, well, the church going to get so strong and get so good it's going to take over the world. Well, I, I don't know whether any of you heard that doctrine. It came out in the late 80s, I believe it was. Anybody hear that doctrine? The Kingdom Now doctrine? I told them then, they said, well, what do you think about it? I said, no matter what I think about, what's the Word of God say? I said, the Word of God says that it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And then the and then Jesus is going to come back. That's what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, but this, that, and the other. See, we have to be careful that we don't get swayed by this person because of who they are. Or that person because of who they are. Or this person because of, of their so-called spiritual status in the body of Christ. Just because somebody is preaching something does not make it so. If it doesn't line up with the word of God. Just because somebody has huge crowds and a huge church. Doesn't make everything they do. Line up with the word of God. See, and some people are looking at that and they're seeing, well, look at that. that, Man, that must be a God. Well, is it? When you've been, you know, people are asked point blank questions about the son of God and they skirt the issue. I saw it happen right on TV. Somebody said, what would you say? I said, well, this is what the word of God says. It's not what I believe. It's not what you believe. It's what the Bible says. And somebody said, well, I don't, I don't believe the Bible's the inspired word of God. Then you and I can't agree on anything because I do. And it's simple. Just say what you believe. Don't skirt the issue. It's either truth, it's either truth of God's word or it's not. We either have the Holy Spirit in our services or we don't. It's one, it's one or the other. You, you, what's going to happen with a lot of these people is what the word of God says. They're lukewarm. They're not, they're not on fire for God. They're not cold. But they're here in the middle. God said he's going to throw them out. That may, be, that may be the five foolish virgin ones. That's hey, you can't deny the power of God in your services and still say that you believe in the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I haven't preached a message tonight, and it's already 15 to 9. I've talked up here. I've just talked out of my heart to you because I, I, I felt like that we people are getting so afraid of what's going to happen in the last days and this and that. Hey, stay with what you are. What changed your life? Stay with it. Don't let anybody take you off down this trail just because of who they are and they get on television and they preach and they're saying first john 1 9 isn't written to the christian there's not one biblical theologian i don't care what denomination they are that will not say that first john wasn't written to the christian church now you can hear him on television talking and he has some good stuff to say I'm not against it. He's a great guy. I know him. I preached in his church. But I cannot go along with that doctrine because it's not right. The doctrine. Now there is grace. And we've all been saved by grace. But just because there's grace. You can't live like you want to. In fact, some of the grace people now. I heard them saying it the other day. Said, oh, we We've all, all our sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. We don't even ask forgiveness. If we're under grace, we can live like we want to. No way. The anointing. I want to ask you one question. If they walk through that door right now, and they said, everybody that will not deny the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you can leave now. The rest of you, we're going to shoot. I'll be laying down on the floor because I'm not going to deny the power of God. Now, I realize that's very, very way out here, but we've got to come to the point where either going to believe God And believe what he says about the end times. We've heard it preached. Now it's happening. And people are wringing their hands and wondering, hey, there's no use to get excited. Exactly what's happened in the word of God says it's going to happen. And as long as we maintain our relationship with God the way we have it and maintain the truth, we don't have to worry about nothing. Our future is bright. Somebody said, well, you... (laughs) What happens if, if, if this happens and that happens? I said, I'll tell you what. The same God that I believe in is the same God that took care of the children of Israel. He fed them when they needed food. He gave them water when they needed water. He clothed them when they needed clothes. That same God is the same God that I believe. That's the same God of the Bible. And if he did it for them, he can do it for me. Did anybody get anything out of this tonight? <laughs> I've just, everybody's saying, Heavenly Father, I spoke to these people tonight to stir up their pure minds the way you asked me to. I started to preach, but you gave me something else. I pray, Father, that all of us will make a stand for you in this hour because we are facing some tough situations. And we have got to make up our mind. Either God's word is true 
or it's not, we'll stand with it. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Like I said, if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior.